0: Let's we'll dismiss the young people to Junior Church. The rest of us will take our Bibles and turn to the book of Deuteronomy this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse number 3. Let's all stand as we read God's Word this morning. This is the Word of God. It doesn't contain the Word of God. It is... The powerful word of God. It's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. This is the truth. You say, Pastor, I wish I had truth. I knew what the truth was. There's so many people that are saying, well, uh, this is not the truth. Well, can I tell you something? This book is the truth. It has the answers for us. It tells us what is right, what is wrong. Our God has given this book as a love letter to us, but it's also an instruction manual for us in our life. Deuteronomy chapter six, in verse number three, it says, "Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord our, the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul." With all thy might, and these words which I have commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. And it shall be that when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee uh, great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things, which thou fillest not, and wells digged, which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou uh, plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord." which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. Let's pray. The Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the precious promises of thy word. I thank you, Lord, for the direction that thy word gives. Lord, it's been such a help and an encouragement to me over the years. It tells me what's true, tells me what's right. Tells me how I ought to live and what I should do. And Father, for each of us here today, we have your word in our hands. What a blessing, what an important uh, principle to take thy word and to study it, that we might learn from it. Father, today I pray for these dear folk that are here. Lord, for those that that are here maybe for the first time that have never heard the gospel. Lord, people that are on the internet watching today, I pray, Father, that The gospel would be clear and plain that uh, they can have a new beginning. They can have new life. They can have a relationship with you only through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, today I pray that you would work in our hearts. Lord, give us your help, your comfort, your understanding. And Lord, I need you today to say the words that you would have me say. Lord, help me to be uncompromising in the truth. But Lord, help me to say it with love. Father, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A father and son went to a small western town looking for uh, for his father's brother, the uncle, that he had never seen before. Suddenly, the father pointed out a man who was walking uh, down the street. He was walking away from them. And the, the father exclaimed, There's my uncle. There goes my uncle. The son said to his dad, He said, Dad, how in the world... Can you say that there's your uncle if you've never seen him before? The, son, the father turned to the son he said, Son, I know him because he walks exactly like my father. They were walking like his father. How you walk influences your life. Your walk and what goes on inside, the principles that you've been taught, People can tell where you are and who you are. Jesus said, by their fruit, you shall know them. A father and son went fishing one day, and after a couple of hours of being out in the boat, the boy suddenly became curious about his environment, what was going on around him, and he asked his dad, he said, Dad, how does a boat float? And the the father said, well, uh, son, I don't rightly know. Son just kind of looked at that, kind of shrugged it off and kept thinking about what was going on. And he, he asked another question. And he said, Dad, uh, how do fish breathe underwater? You know, kids do ask those, those silly questions sometimes. You don't have all the answers. And, uh, but the, the father looked at him and said, Son, I don't really know. And he looked up at the sky and he said, Wow. Dad, why is the sky so blue? Dad looks up there. Son, I, I really don't know. And the son, he's looking at his dad, and he doesn't have any of his answers, and, he, and he's kind of concerned that he's getting his dad kind of irritated about asking all these questions. He says, Dad, do you mind me asking all these questions? And the father re- looked at him and replied. He says, Of course it's not, son. If you don't ask questions, how are you ever going to learn anything? Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. You know, fathers play an important role in our home, in our church, in our community, and in our nation. I was doing some research on this particular issue and came up with some interesting statistics and things about that issue. For example, in the idea of poverty, children in a father-absent homes are almost four times more likely to be poor. In 2011, 12% of children in married-coupled families were living in poverty compared to 44% of children in mother-only families. Children living in a female-headed families with no spouse present had a poverty rate of uh, 47.6%. over four times the rate of, in married couples. According to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, fatherless children are at a, a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. In a study of of 1,977 children ages 3 and older living with a residential father or a father figure found that children living with married biological parents had significantly fewer externalizing and internalizing behavioral problems than children living with at least one non-biological parent. Children of a single parent homes are more than twice as likely to commit suicide. Children born to single moms, mothers show higher levels of aggressive behavior than children born to married. According to Frederick Kirk, a Ph.D., in an article, The Vital Importance of Parental Presence in Children's Lives, May 23, 2012, he said 71% of high school uh, dropouts are fatherless. 71%. Fatherless children have more trouble academically, scoring poorly on tests of reading, mathematics, and thinking skills. Children from father-absent homes are more likely to be truant from school, more likely to be excluded from school, more likely to leave school at the age of 16, and less likely to attain academic and professional qualifications in adulthood. The world would try to tell us that it really doesn't matter if dads are not in the home, but that's not true. Not only are fathers important for financial, emotional, and educational welfare of the home, but also for the most important, which is the spiritual welfare and the well-being of the home. We need godly fathers today more than ever before. We need men that are not afraid to leave their homes in spiritual decisions. Men who are not afraid to commit themselves, first of all, to Christ, and then to their mate, and then to their, their family. Today we want to consider a father's influence. Men, we need to ask ourselves the question, am I influencing my family for good? Am I leading my family to a closer walk with God? If I've been shirking my responsibilities as, as, of a, as a dad, we need to start today to change that situation and get on track. Today we want to consider, as we look at this portion of Scripture, as a father's influence, we must first be settled in relation to our love and commitment to God. We must be settled to our lo- in our love and commitment to God. Look at verse number 3. It says, hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do, do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised, and the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The background of this portion of scripture, Moses is instructing fathers how to guide their families. Fathers were responsible for the spiritual leadership in the homes. Moms were to be an aid to that teaching, but the fathers had the responsibility of teaching their families spiritual truths. Today, as you go out and you talk to, to people, as you knock on doors, many times, if you come across door with a door uh, with a guy there, many times the guy will say, you say, you know, do you go to church? Do you attend church? Oh, my wife handles this, the, those, those religious things. They, they pass off their responsibilities to the, the wife. And praise God for godly women that take up that responsibility. But I'm here today to tell you God's plan, as it has always been, is for men to lead in the area of spiritual things. They are to lead. So often, ladies are leading and the guys are just, yes, dear. You say, well, pastor, that's the way I like my husband. Just following along. Can I tell you something? You need to encourage your husband to be a spiritual leader one of the ladies in our church in california she was uh she was she came and she says you know uh, i'm asking god to make my husband a spiritual leader and i said well let's pray about that we prayed about it and all of a sudden he got excited about you know he got excited about the lord and winning souls and and working on the bus ministry and doing and and doing things for god it was like he couldn't get enough of the things of the lord and then uh, she comes he says we know wait a minute I don't like what he's, how he's become. Wait a minute, you asked for God to do a work, and he did, and now you don't like it. Well, yeah, but he's, he's not, he doesn't give me the time I want. Well, folks, can I tell you something? We need to love God first in our heart and life. If we will love God first, it will help us to be the right type of father, the right type of mate, husband, that we need to be. So here, as we look at this portion of Scripture, as Moses is trying to give instructions to fathers, Notice, the fathers needed to settle the issue of God in their heart. Is there a God? Is there a God? You know, there are many fathers today who never settle the matter of God in their heart. Some believe that there are many gods. Uh, Others uh, doubt the existence of God. We call them an agnostic. Someone has said that an agnostic is an ignoramus who doesn't know better. Uh, Well, there may be a God out there someplace but I'm not going to really commit to say that there is a God. Well, there is a God. And, as we, and others say, well, you know what? Uh, we don't believe that there's a God. We, we, we're, we're an atheist. Well, to take a stance of an atheist, you have to believe that there is no God, which is really defending the point that there is a God. Because why do you, you take such a, a, a fevered pitch on the issue that there is no God? If there is really no God, then why are you even taking a, a position on it? But Satan doesn't want people to acknowledge that there's a God. The truth of the matter, there is only one true and living God. Here in verse number four, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He is a triune God. Say triune. Somebody, some people have put it this way He's a triunity. Three, three in one. Three in one. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Those three are one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. You say, well, Pastor, that's kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around that idea that there are three persons, yet there's only one God. I didn't understand that. But we've got an infinite God who declares that there are three persons, yet one God. Yet one God. Turn with me to Isaiah. Keep your finger here in De- Deuteronomy 6. We're coming back. But go to Isaiah for a second. Isaiah 43 in verse number 10. Isaiah 43 in verse number 10. Isaiah 43 in verse number 10. It says, "Ye are my witnesses," saith the Lord, "and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me, and understand that I am he." Before me, there was no God formed. Before God, there was no God. You say, well, how is that? Because God is from everlasting to everlasting. If you go back into eternity this way, you're going to find God. And God says, let me just explain something. There was no other God before me. And notice what he goes on to say. Neither shall there be after me. Hey, there's not going to be another God coming on the scene. You say, well, you know what? I don't like the God of the Bible. I'm just going to wait for a better God to come along. Well, God says, let me just tell you something. And just so you understand, don't keep waiting for something that's never going to happen. There is going to be no other God than the God of the Bible. He says in verse 11, I, even I am he, the Lord. And beside me, there is no savior. Beside the Lord Jesus Christ who came and died on a cross. Shed his blood for your sins and for mine. He was buried and rose again the third day. There is no other savior that's going to come on the scene. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must. Be saved. Jesus said in John John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other Savior other than God. So, Pastor, I I know there's a whole bunch of religions, and they keep popping up all the time. But religion is man's way of trying to reach to God. But Christianity, biblical Christianity, is God reaching down to us through the person of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you, that you might have your sins forgiven and a new way of life and become a child of God. That's the only way to get to heaven. That's the only way to have a relationship with God is through the person of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you today, dads, where do you stand on the matter of God? Do you believe, as the Bible declares, that there's only one true and living God? Hey, folks, by the way, He's living. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Our God is not dead. Remember years ago, Bishop Pike, uh, he wrote a book, said, or made the statement, God is dead. Well, all of a sudden, if you look at Bishop Pike, he just kind of was out there in Israel and kind of disappeared. Can I tell you something? I submit to you that there is a living God. And that God is going to live into eternity. I don't know about you. I want to live with that God. That God who created me, that God who made all things that we see, that God who holds holds us, holds us all things together by the word of His power, the God who's giving you life today, God says you can have a relationship with Him if you'll but trust and put your faith and your confidence in Him. Have you done that today? Have you settled that issue that there is one who has created all things, that He is sovereign, He's in control of all that and and, uh, has given life, and that our life should please Him? Have you settled that issue in in, in your heart and life? Look with me to Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11. Revelation 4 and verse 11, the picture of the context here is, is uh, John the Apostle has been taken to heaven, and he's talking about what he's seen up there, and the glory of it, and verse number 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord. He's hearing this, uh, the, the, the people and those that are around the throne saying this. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. Boy, it settles, it settles this is, issue of evolution. Millions and billions of years ago, before, when all the planets were all coalesced in, in one little spot. Folks, may I share with you, you can settle it as you study the Word of God. You say, well, Pastor, they're so dogmatic, yet yeah, they were dogmatic about that which is not true. And if they just keep telling you that long enough, and you listen to it, and you accept it, you'll start believing it. I remember going to uh, Christian Heritage College, which is where I uh, took my training. And one of the professors there, he'd left a, another school because it was a large school. Uh, he would, had been teaching there, and they were teaching that school theistic evolution. You say, well, what's theistic evolution? Well, like God started everything, you know, but it, you know, he, kind of, he started it all, but then it kind of evolved into what we have today. Can I tell you something? It didn't evolve into what we have today. God created all these things. We have all the species, the different species, they, 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 they came on the scene all at one time. Folks, I submit to you today that God created all things. He created all things. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. That means you're a created being. And God created you. And God created you for a purpose. And God's purpose for you. You say, Pastor, I wish I just had purpose in my life. God has a purpose for you. He says it right here. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. You were created To bring pleasure and glory and honor to the Lord. Sin separated us from our God. When we chose to go our own direction, our own way, it separated us from God. Well, the wages of sin is death. We died spiritually, Adam and Eve in the garden, when he partook of that fruit that God told him not to. Adam and Eve died at that very moment in their relationship toward God. They were shut off toward God. And God came and sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to restore that relationship that you and I, once again, might be able to bring praise and honor and glory to our God. Hey, folks, there's only one God. There's only one God. Let me ask you today, are you bringing praise and honor and glory to God Have you come to that place in your life where you said, you know what? Yes, I believe that there's a God. The Bible says that in Romans chapter 1, look over there with me, Romans chapter 1 and verse number 20. Romans chapter 1, verse number 20. As you look out in the creation and the things of this world, you can see that there is a God. Romans 1, 20. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For the invisible things of him talking of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. That's you and me. Even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, the world, people, they are without excuse. You can see just by looking at creation that there's a God. Just throwing a ball. You say, well, pastor, that's just an easy thing. We'll just throw a ball. You should see all the different things that are involved in throwing a ball all the muscles and how it works and syncs with your mind. There is a creator that's put all this together. It's not by chance. It's by a divine creator. And we can see that there's a God. Have you settled that? Have you settled that in your life? Well, if there is a God, then how should we then live? Go back there to that Deuteronomy where we were a moment ago, Deuteronomy chapter 6, and notice, if there is a God, then notice How then should I live? Well, he tells us here in verse number 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. There are three important truths here of how I'm supposed to live if I believe that there is a God. If I believe, as a father, that there is a God, then how am I supposed to live? Well, first of all, we're to love God with all of our being. That's what he says in verse number 5. He says this, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. You say, well, Pastor, when you're talking about love, how, what is that talking about then? Loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, first of all, somebody's put it this way. It's a sincere love. It's a sincere love. We're to love Him not in words only. Saying what we think He wants to hear said. But our hearts are to be in tune with Him. You know, many people, they say the words, oh, I love Jesus, but their heart is far from the Lord. Their heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Folks, how you are in your heart, and you're not talking about the pumper thing, we're talking about the center of your being. How you focus, and it deals really with your mind, your thoughts of your mind, your heart, the heart of your person, who you are, as you think in your heart, so so are you. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. Jesus raises an interesting question to the people because they were were claiming to love Jesus and follow Him and be His disciples. And Jesus says this in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. He says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why do you call me, Lord, Master? Why do you call me Master? And don't do what I tell you to do. You know, we have children. We rear our children to learn to respond uh, in obedience. Now, I know that the day in which we live, boy, it's a real challenge, isn't it, to get children to obey? You know, we... Uh, teachers in the public school spend most of their time just trying to keep order uh, and, and just trying to keep things under control so they can get a little bit of teaching. And so the kids have a whole bunch of homework at home that they have to take home because uh, they can't get it done in school because the teachers, sit down, Johnny, sit down over here. And, and, they're, and you're constantly having going through all this, this type of stuff. Amanda's just got a brand new job. And she's getting a real experience on this. I told you to sit down. Quit pulling their hair. Quit putting their their pigtails in the ink well. Quit quit doing all that. Uh, Behave yourself. You spend all your time doing all of that. Children, mischief is bound in the heart of a child. You say, well, Pastor, where does this stuff come from? Because the Bible says mischief is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. When you discipline... To correct behavior, and folks, we can discipline to correct behavior because that's what the Bible teaches, and we need to. Folks, may I share with you to help them to, to know how to behave themselves and to say now we've got all sorts of different names for misbehaving. Well, we've got ADHD and and um, PhD. No, that PhD was, oh, yeah, you understand what I'm saying. If, we, if, we, if they're, they're not behaving, we'll just label it and then that just kind of excuses it and we're just going to kind of work with it. Folks, can I tell you something? This book right here will help you. We've had many kids that have come to our, when we had the Christian school here, they said, well, you know what? They just don't know how to sit down and they don't know how to behave themselves. You know, if you just come and you follow the principles of God's word, God's word works. It works. These principles of God's wording, the Spirit of God, is just as true today as it has ever been. Amen. As it has ever been. Well, why call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things I say? A child who goes and, and you tell them, okay, now I want you to sit down. And the child says, I'm going to stand up. Well, you say, well, pastor, they just have a, a problem understanding. No, you know, when you help them to learn to sit down, And if they don't obey you immediately and with the right heart attitude, sit down. With the right heart attitude? You know, if looks could kill. Folks, the reason we have all the problems we have today is because we've deviated from the truth of God's Word. We've gone away from the principles of God's Word. That child, you say, well, okay, I'm sitting down on the outside, but... On the inside, but on the outside, on the outside I'm sitting down. But on the inside, I'm standing up, like the little boy said. May I share with you how can you have the right heart attitude? You might be complying on the outside that people can see, but on the inside, it's something totally different. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter twelve. Jeremiah chapter twelve, the Old Testament, one of the major prophets. Jeremiah chapter twelve verses 1 and 2, consider what it says here. The children of Israel, actually Judah at this point, they were in rebellion to God. In chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, when I plead with thee, yea, uh, yet let me talk with with thee of thy judgments. Wherefore doth the, the way of the wicked prosper? Wherefore are all they happy that deal very treacherously. Thou hast planted them, yea, they, they have taken root. They grow, yea, they bring forth fruit. Notice, thou art near in their mouth and far from their reins. In other words, God, they'll talk about you all day long, but you're not in control of their life. It's pretty obvious. Or Christians today that say, boy, God, you're, you're the king, you're the master. But when God says, this is what I want you to do, they say, well, God, you know what? I don't have time for that right now. Well, this is, this is how I want you to behave. Well, you know what? I would, but I'm, I'm, I don't feel like it. See, that's being in control of the reins. It's kind of like the reins of a horse. And folks, may I share with you today As we're looking at this portion of Scripture as fathers, how am I supposed to live? We're to love God with all of our heart. We're to have a sincere type of love. Let me ask you, do you love the Lord with all of your heart? Is it, is it a sincere love? Is it a strong love? Is it a strong love? Go back to that portion of Scripture. You say, Pastor, I love the Lord. He says, thou shalt love the Lord. By God, with all thy heart, with all thy soul. With all thy soul. It's a strong love. And with all our might. Our love is to be demonstrated by our actions. Might. Our power. 1 John 3.18, it says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. See, loving God is more than just lip service. It's how we live our life. It's how we walk. Remember how I said at the very beginning that that man who had never seen his uncle before, he went to that town and he saw how he walked because he walked just like his father who had watched his father. And they had mimicked. They had become mimicked. Like them. You know, it's interesting, parents many times will take their children, they'll drop them off at church, they'll go home and live a totally different way. They'll come back and they want them to live like they do in church, but they're being taught by watching the examples of moms and dads on a daily basis. The number one uh, way that people mold and shape their life is by the example of their parents. Second, they tell us, is the grandparents. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Well, let me just share with you. If you're a screamer, if you're angry all the time, then don't be surprised if that's how your children are like. Because they pattern their life after the ones that they see, primarily their parents and their grandparents. You say, well, it doesn't have to be. No, and that's only by the grace of God. But I submit to you, folks, we need to, as fathers, we need to stop and we need to say, "Hey, you know what? God, I love you, and I want to love my children in action." Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians for a second. Ephesians I'll give you an example of this. It talks about fathers dealing with their children. Ephesians chapter number six. Or chapter number six. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 1 says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Now notice verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition, the teaching, the instruction of the Lord. Nurturing. You're trying to build them. You're trying to encourage them. Notice verse 4. It says, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. You say, Pastor, what is that all about? What does that mean to provoke not your children to wrath? You know, dads, we can do things that will cause our children to get mad. I'm not talking about telling them they can't be out till midnight or 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. That's not what I'm talking about. I used to I'll give you an example. I used to wrestle with my boys, especially my youngest boy. I don't do that anymore. He's bigger than I am. Um, and, uh, but I used to get him, and I would, I would just, because I was bigger, I would just get him, and I would just, you know, we'd be wrestling on the floor, you know, you kind of, you, you let them kind of try and take you down and all that type of stuff. And then, you know, because I'm dad, and I have the bulk, I would grab them by their arms, and I would just hold them, and I'd just squeeze them. And they're trying so hard to get out. They're just trying to get released. Oh, I just I just want to. And all of a sudden. You can tell it in their face. Their face just gets. gets I don't like this. And I said, Now you behave yourself. And, and you tell them. Now you settle down. And you're squeezing them. And you're sitting there inside. Like, oh, see. I got it. I got it. You know what I was doing? And I had to stop doing this. Because I came across this verse. And the spirit of God smote my heart. It says. You know what you're doing? You're provoking your children to wrath. You're doing that which causes them to be angry and you're the cause of it. Some of us, we that's what we do. I shared with you before, come up and you say, well, you know what? Because I'm an adult, I can come up and flick them on the head because I'm an adult. And we expect them not to get upset. Can I tell you something? If somebody comes up and flicks you on the head, I guarantee you, you do that first time like, oh, that's kind of kind of nice. Second time, mm, that's not nice anymore. You do that again. Hey, why do you expect that your children are going to go the same way? God says we're not to provoke our children to wrath. It's to be a, a love that's a strong love, a love that's, that works by actions. and folks, we need to have actions to our love. Oh, I love you. Love is demonstrated. Love is demonstrated. Guys, when was the last time that you demonstrated your love to your children, to your boys? Well, you know, real men don't show love. Really? Then what about Jesus Christ? There's no greater person, no greater man than Jesus Christ. He was 100% God, 100% man. Our life as a Christian is to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wept with those who who wept. Jesus Christ nurtured and he tried to encourage those. A broken reed he would not break. Well, you know what? Real men, if there's a reed that's kind of broken, you know, you just want to break it off and say, oh, go ahead. No, that's not what Jesus did. He tried to encourage. Tried to build up. And that's what we're supposed to be like. Not only is that love a love demonstrated by power but it's also a superlative type of love we must love God above every other creature colossians 1:18 says that in all things he might have the preeminence go to matthew chapter 10 verse 37 matthew chapter 10 verse 37 jesus is speaking in this portion of scripture it says In Matthew chapter ten, verse thirty seven, he that loveth the father, or loveth father more mother more than me, is not worthy of me. He that loveth his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. If you love anyone else other than the Lord first in your life, you're not worthy of him. You understand what it is about love. Folks, see, God was trying to help through Moses to teach the men what it is if you want to have a right relationship with God and you want to have a right relationship with others and with your family. You first of all got to get this situation between you and God squared away. You need to love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Dad, how is your love for Jesus? Jesus. Is it a sincere type of love? Do you love Him in word only, but in your heart it's a different story? Can I tell you something? Your children will know that. A lot of times people come to church and they put on the mask, the face, while they come to church, and then they go and walk outside the door and they they drive away, and boy, all of a sudden, uh, the the fighting and the the storming and, and all that type of stuff comes on. Can I tell you something? Your children see that, and they pick that up too. Is your love, which is shown, is it shown by your actions? Do you read God's Word and seek to apply God's Word to your life because you love Jesus? Oh, well, Pastor, I've read my Bible today, but I'm just, you know, I, I've, read, I've done my thing, but you, the things that you've read have not changed your life. Can I tell you something? Then you really don't love Jesus. Jesus says, because if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So, well, Pastor, I, I pick and choose which commandments I Which ones I pick? That's not how the Christian life is lived. Because, see, it deals with surrender. When you surrender your life to Jesus, you turn over the reins of your life to Him and give Him control. That's what it means, Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, He's the Master. Have you turned over the reins of your life to Him to let Him control you? Is your love for Jesus greater than your love for anything else or anyone else? Luke 14, 26 says, If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. So do you love the Lord more than anyone or anything else? I want you to notice the second point as we see in that portion of Scripture back in Deuteronomy 6. Not only our fathers, because we've settled the issue of God in our heart. We're to love God with all of our heart, with all of our being. But fathers, were to hide God's word in their heart. Look back there, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. It'll be in your heart. The words that have been said are going to be in your heart. They, you look at the word of God as being precious. And, you, and it's not just something to be cast aside and thrown away. But it's It's precious. The precious Word of God. Is the Word of God precious to you? When was the last time that you sought to memorize a portion of Scripture? She, old oh, pastor, don't you understand? You know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm really busy, and, and, and I don't have time to memorize the Word of God. I don't have time to, to meditate upon God's Word. Then you're not going to change much as, as a Christian. You're just not. It's not going to happen. You will you will grow in proportion to how much you commit and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You surrender a little, you give a little to the Lord, then you'll grow a little. And you know what? There are a lot of people that are content with growing a little. I've got God is kind of a, he's an appendage. He kind of sits on there. If I need him, then I can call him, and I can and I can you know. But I really don't want to know him too too well because that's going to take a whole lot more time. to to be in his word and to memorize his word and and to learn of him. So I I just want a little bit of Jesus. Just a little dab will do you. You remember the old Bill Cream commercials? Just a little bit of that stuff would slick your hair back and and you wouldn't have to wash it for a week because it, you know, it just stays in place. It's kind of like you ladies remember that ratting of, you know, ratting of your hair and you put that in a spray, all that type of stuff. My older sister is a beautician. And... uh, she was telling me about uh, one of the ladies. They, they used to rat it up so it was all, and it would just stay. I mean, the wind would blow, and it would just stay like that. It, you know, hurricane wind, and the hair's just standing there. One time, they had a lady that had, had her hair like that, and a black widow got into her hair, and it made a nest, and it bit her inside, the, inside that. And, you know, they're trying to, yeah, because it had a nice nest, it was all secure. Say, so what what's that telling you, preacher? You ought to wash your hair. Amen. Take a bath. Amen. Praise the Lord. But we ought to hide God's word in our heart. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do you seek to hide God's word in your heart? Do you seek to hide God's word in your heart? Notice the third thing I think it's important that we see here in this portion is that fathers were to teach God's word to their children. Look back at verse number 7. And thou shalt teach them, the teachings, those instructions, those commandments, you teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Fathers were to teach their children what it means to love God with all their being. To teach by example. More is caught than taught. Your life is a message. The Bible says it's you're, you're as he was talking to the Corinthian believers, known and read of all men. Your life is a message. You tell, you tell people, well, you know what? I, I, uh, I got saved. Jesus has changed my life. He's forgiven my sins. Uh, I've turned from this, the old way of life, to a new way of life. If that be true, then you are to walk in a new way of life. If you haven't Turn from that, then you haven't repented from your sin. God calls us to repentance, except, a, except we repent, we shall all likewise perish. Salvation, part of salvation is, I don't want to go this way anymore, I want to follow Jesus. Are you following Jesus today, or are you still living in the old life, and you're going the old direction? It's yielding to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father's were to teach by personal example what it is, what it means to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They were to show that by their life, they were to teach their children the principles of God's word, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays. But thou shalt teach them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Someone has called this looking for teachable moments. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, times when we can teach the truth of God's Word in an application form. For example, as you stop and think about that, a person in front of you in line, you have your children right there with you, a person in front of you gets upset with the the cashier uh, because they're making mistakes. Any cashiers ever make mistakes? And your children are standing right there and this person's getting mad. I mean they're getting vocal. They are letting them have, you know they're giving them a piece of their mind. So you can talk to your child and say, "You know, how do you think Jesus would have you respond in this type of situation like this?" Well, Proverbs 15:1, "A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger." Ephesians 4:32, "Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another," even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. See, it's a teachable moment. You can see, well, how should I respond? Well, I guess I should have a soft answer dealing with this. Or how about this, when a a parent has told the child to do something in the store, and and the child comes, and and this happens a lot, all you have to do is just be in Walmart or one of those stores, and the parent says, now don't put your hand on that, that toy up there. No, child says. So you come back over here and you say, what do you think the Lord would have you to do in that situation? What do you think you should do? What would Jesus have you to do? Well, we read uh, earlier in Ephesians chapter 6 about children obey your parents in the Lord. Colossians three twenty, children obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Can I tell you something? By bringing your children to church and hearing the message of God's word, how many parents would like to have your children obey you in all things. (laughs) Can I tell you something? That's what's heard from the pulpits of those that will preach the Word of God. And teachers that will teach the Word of God, that's exactly what ought to be taught. And people today are afraid to, to tell people that because it might affect somebody. Yeah, we're supposed to learn to obey. To obey authority. Because the powers that be are ordained of God. May I share with you, even President Biden has been ordained of God to be in position right now. Do I agree with him? No. But you know what? I think the truth of it matters this. I believe America is under judgment. And the powers that be have been placed there. God is judging America. We have turned away from God. God. You read through the book of Jeremiah, and God says, shall I not judge a nation like this? And he talks about the rebellion, turning away from the principles of God, the the, uh, killing of innocent people. God says, should I not bring judgment on a nation such as this? The answer is yes. And God puts people in positions of leadership. He puts them up. God says he puts kings up, and he takes them down. It's all in his control. It's all in his hand. Well, pastor, I thought that the hanging chads were the... No, 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 no. Can I tell you something? There is a God who's in control of all of this. And he can allow, and he, can, and he does, because it's fulfilling his will in this situation. Man, we need to ask ourselves the question... Have I been doing my part as a dad to rear a godly seed for Jesus? Fathers, you are important in your home. To be a good example of a biblical Christian, one who follows the Word of God, who follows the teachings, this world needs to see godly men, men of integrity, men of honesty who demonstrate what it is to love Jesus with all of our heart and soul and life and to teach our family the principles of God's Word. Your family needs you today. This church needs you. Our community needs those type of men. And our nation needs it. The question is, Will I allow God to use me to influence my family, my church, my community, and my nation as I live for Him who died for us? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray today for these men that are here. Lord, I pray that they would realize the importance of of the responsibility that you've placed upon their shoulders. Lord, it's not just a responsibility of providing financially for your home. It's not just a, enough to, to be there and, and to protect them, but, Father, to lead our families spiritually in the way that they ought to go. Lord, that we would, first of all, walk with you and love you with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. God, that's the most important. Lord, from out of that comes everything else of, of our life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, well, Pastor, I don't even understand what you're talking about tonight, today. I don't understand about, I, I know that there's a God. I, I, I believe that part. But there's only one way of really knowing God, and that's through the person of Jesus Christ. God loves you, my friend. God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God wants you to be saved. He wants you to be set free from your sin. He wants you to have a relationship with him. And that only is possible through Jesus Christ. If you have the Son, you have the Father. But if you reject Jesus, you don't have the Father either. The world will tell you, you know what, you can have God without having Jesus. It's not true. God says it. But when you come to that place where you're willing to humble yourself and acknowledge that you're a sinner, just like all of us, all of us have done things wrong. We've lied, we've cheated, we've stole. We've gotten angry with people. Those are all things that God's word calls sin. The wages of sin is death. To be separated from God for all of eternity. And you can choose to pay it if you want to, pay that price and go to a place called hell. But God loved you. God demonstrated his love toward you that in while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. He died in your place. He took your sin punishment when He was on the cross. He was buried, and the third day He rose again. And if you'll accept what God did for you, that you accept Jesus, His Son, as the substitute for your sins, you can be saved today. Right now, you're seated. You can pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Savior. God says you're a sinner. There's only one Savior and that's Jesus. And here's how you receive Christ where you're seated today. Say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you sent Jesus, your Son, to die for me on the cross. I want to turn from my sin today and turn to Jesus and follow Him. Right now, the best way I know how, I want Jesus to be my Savior. I ask Him into my heart right now. In Jesus' name. If you prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior, God says, you're saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And now at that very moment, you became a child of God. You say, now, Pastor, what's the next step? The next step is to obey the Lord in believer's baptism, to identify with Jesus. As many as received Him, to them He gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, those that received were baptized and they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Those people baptized, were they believed in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the first step of obedience. Are you going to obey the Lord or are you going to disobey Him? You won't move forward in your Christian life until you surrender and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to obey you. I want you to be my master. If you, once you're saved... You've now asked Jesus to be your Savior. You need to come and get baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. It just identifies you with Jesus. If you've never been baptized since you've been saved, you need to come. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation song. If you receive Christ as your Savior, I'll be right here in front. I'd love to talk to you about being saved. How wonderful it is. If you want to get baptized, you can come and and make that decision today. Maybe some of us as dads you say, Dad, you know, I have not been the type of dad that God wants me to be and I should be. My children are following in my footsteps and they're not right and I need to change some things. Why not tell the Lord those things today so that he can help you to be what you ought to be? Dear Father, I pray for those that are here today and Lord, I pray that as we have this invitation time that Lord, you would speak to their hearts, draw them to yourself and Lord, have your own way. Father, we thank you and praise you for what you're going to do. And Lord, I pray right now for your mercy and grace. And Lord, if there's those that have never asked Jesus to be their Savior, may they step out in faith and, and trust you and, and give you their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Brother Scott's going to lead us in a song of invitation. And as, as we sing, if God's speaking to you, don't wait for somebody else to, to respond. You respond. The Spirit's talking to you. And say, Hey, you know what? You just got saved or you need